Hey guys, my name is... Oh, I can't tell you my real name. Okay, call me call me the pod hacker. I have made it my life's work to find people who are hiding information on how to make a lot of money and be successful in business and getting those secrets and putting them on my podcast and putting them on my website. So, so I found this guy. His name is Josh Elledge. I'm driving right now, so, so am I... Okay, so he has been interviewing people and keeping these podcasts secret. I put, a, I put a microphone in his pocket at a coffee shop, and I'm following him right now to where he does the interviews. So in the coffee shop, he said he was interviewing someone named Kate Erickson, who is this big author and audio blogger, and she's like an expert on how to grow online businesses. So he doesn't know it, but I'm going to steal this podcast and give it to you guys. And I want you to listen to it and, and tell me what you think, Okay. Pod hacker out. Now, thank you, by the way, for flying in all the way here. And I know Puerto Rico's, it's not that far from Orlando, but I've got this top secret project I kind of told you about. And so that's why all the intense security, because I wanted to make sure like I could ask you this and nobody would be listening. Like there's like no way anybody could possibly get a recorder or a camera in here. So because we're in top secret facility, you can see the armed guards over there and uh, you got through the metal detector. So they, they already screened you for bugs. Um, you got passed biometrics. So we're good. All right. Now, all that said. <laughs> this is a very safe space. Yeah, it is. And um, yeah, I mean, we're I mean, a bomb could go off over our head. We'd be totally fine. It's kind of cool when you see it um, from the sky. It's just like this nondescript air uh, airstrip that's out in the middle of nowhere. And I thought, man, that place would be perfect. So uh, I contacted the owners and asked about it and offered them a great relationship. And uh, they, uh, they, they allowed me to use this facility. But again, I know you've only got just a few minutes here. So here we go. So top secret project, here are like the most important things that I wanted to know. And you were the person to ask. So when you went from a new kid on the block, because you were, you were in that, you were, you remember being that, right? When you're like, maybe it's just like the podcasting world and you're like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm not in the podcasting world, but now I'm kind of stepping into the podcasting world. Um, when did, when did that happen for you? Like when, when did that, and I, I don't want to call it a rise because that just seems kind of, and it feels weird to talk about it that way, but at some point there's kind of this, rise in stature or elevation or influence like when did that happen for you yeah it, it's funny you mention it because that is like so super fresh I mean I still clearly remember the day when I was like oh my gosh how am I gonna learn about like who all these people are John was always talking about all these people I'm like who are these people <laughs> had no clue but he talked about them very highly so I I figured they must be um, pretty important people and uh, gosh, I guess it was probably about the time that I actually started to get communicating with those people that I was like, okay, like now I see why uh, John looked up to these people because John was really my way into podcasting, right? He's the, he's the reason that I became a part of the Entrepreneurs on Fire team. Um, he's the reason that I know what a podcast is, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so it was it was really about the time that that I started getting to know the industry. I started getting to know the people in it, 
And then those people actually started acknowledging me as a part of the team. Because for a while, I was just like, I'm already kind of behind the scenes. But for a while, I was like way behind the scenes. Like nobody even knew that I existed really. Um, So it was really kind of like that recognition and that I kind of felt like I was brought into the group almost. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That kind of seemed like the point for me. I mean, I don't know if you felt like insecure in that, okay, well, I'm just part of team. And there was a point where you went from just being kind of like team John to now, you know, you're very, very well recognized as a thought leader in your own right in this space. Like, how did that happen? When I got my first speaking engagement, I feel like that's probably like the moment that I was like, wow, there's people here watching me speak. They want to hear what I have to say. And, you know, funny enough, that actually came, I launched my podcast, my own podcast in August 2014. And within a couple of months, I landed my first speaking gig. I was actually opening keynote at a podcasting conference here in San Diego. Which one was it? It was just called Podcast San Diego. Oh, cool. So it wasn't real big though, right? No, no, no. It wasn't huge. Dan and Jared put it on as just like a part of their podcasting circuit. You know, there's like Podcast Atlanta and and Podcast. I think there's one in Florida too, isn't there? Mm -hmm. Podcast. um, There's PodFest. Yep, PodFest. That's it. Um, So yeah, it was kind of like a little local one. But you know, there was 100 people in the room. um, And that was 100 more people than I'd ever stood in front of before. (laughs) Yeah, I think I I agree with you. Speaking is, you know, there's there's something awesome about, you know, social media, like it it really allows you to get in front of a lot of people. And there's a lot of hype about, you know, building a big audience in social media, but Mm -hmm. doing an in-person event and, you know, kind of being recognized on stage, I think still has, it, it, it has kind of this unique thing where it's like when we think of who goes on stage and we think mm-hmm. of, you know, we, we put our best and our brightest on stage. I mean, you know, again, social media, incredibly important, but I think anybody can flip on a webcam and they can, you know, they can do something stupid. And they can, they can amass a social <laughs> media audience. And, and it's more than that. Like you're not only are you being recognized on stage, but you're also, now teaching and people are looking to you for insight and knowledge. Is, is that kind of what you think? I think it's the experience and the feeling too. Like, I, I mean, like I said, I had started my podcast a few months before I ever went on stage, but, you know, standing there physically in front of people and, and experiencing the nervousness and like wanting to throw up and, you know, just being like really scared and, literally seeing faces stare at you like they're just sitting there listening and you know I think that's kind of we talk about that in podcasting a lot because people you know tend to get um, pretty focused on like download numbers and and obsessed with making that go bigger and bigger and bigger but it's like if you just take a step back to even at that point like I'm I'm totally guilty of this I mean I had my podcast and I had a lot more than 100 people tuning into it but it wasn't until I was standing in front of 100 people physically that I actually was like, oh my gosh. I mean, I was nervous about my podcast too. Sure, that was like really tough for me to launch because I was, you know, who's going to listen and are they going to care about what I have to say and all these imposter syndrome fears that we all feel. Um, And so I think that 
the experience and the feelings that you have make it real in a different way. So yeah, I definitely think that just physically um, being in front of people and and having that experience um, can really it builds a lot of confidence too. You know, after I did that, I was like, wow, I just proved to myself that I can speak on stage. And I, I got a lot of really great feedback. And I felt amazing after I did it. You know, I was scareder than all get out before I got on stage. But afterwards, I felt amazing. You know, you bring up a really good point. I remember hearing an interview with an actor, and I'll, I'll never remember, I'm not going to remember their name. But I remember when they said, um, why did they go back? So they had been doing some movies. And they went back and they did stage. And mm-hmm. so the interviewer's like, well, why did you do that? I mean, you're obviously making way more money in, in the movies. And he says, because there's that that feeling of that instant feedback that you get from that live audience. And mm-hmm. you do something and they laugh. Or, you know, you can see that they're really into it. And there's just nothing, nothing can replace that. And, and it's it's so addictive to have that that connection with an audience in the moment where it's in person. And and I think that, you know, it's like that audience of 100 people now, they see you much differently. Um, and, and they've had that connection in that moment with you. Um, so I think you have the opportunity to now take that that group of 100 and and they probably at the end of your presentation saw you a little bit differently. Yeah, I mean, I've had experiences at, at, at just the other week this happened to me. I was in Austin um, speaking at a, at a small event. It was um, Jill and Josh Stanton. They they do Screw You Live for it's a an event that they put on for their community. And, you know, I, we were at like the they did a mixer the night before the conference started just so everyone kind of get to know each other. And I didn't have my name badge yet. I hadn't picked it up from the from their like little their table or whatever. And so I'm walking around the room and I was introducing myself to people and, um, you know, people were like, well, you know, who are you? Because I don't recognize you from our community because these people are all in a community together. So they like communicate on a daily basis. So a lot of people were like, who are you? <laughs> um, Isn't it refreshing to start over somewhere? And you're like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I was, I was just like introducing myself to people, you know, saying my name is Kate and, and we'd get to talking and sometimes like 10, 15 minutes into the conversation, they'd get that like look on their face where they were like, oh my gosh, I just like made the connection. <laughs> You're Kate from Kate and John. Everyone everyone always says Kate and John of, uh, you know, EO Fire. And yeah. Um, so, but yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of nice to be in that position sometimes where you're, you're not, Kate and John from EO Fire, you're just Kate and you're hanging out at a conference. And, um, but yeah, you know, it's interesting because when you were talking about like the instant feedback and the connection that you get when, when that actor who you were saying went on stage, um, I think that kind of extends far beyond to just anybody, right? Because that's why we go to events and conferences so we can have any of us can build relationships online and create amazing connections through Facebook groups and LinkedIn groups and all that great stuff. Um, but it's a whole different ball game when you go to like an event or something, you actually get to walk up to people and give them a hug and talk in person. You know, it's a totally different ball game. Live events, live events. I, I'm mm-hmm. so, so I'm going to ask you a few more things about that since, since it seems like that's kind of, I wasn't, this is where the conversation is going. So someone who says, and again, this is for my top secret project here, um, yeah. is someone says, well, Kate, like, 
how do, uh, so like I'm doing my blog, I'm, you know, doing some social media and I guess I've thought I should probably get into quote unquote public speaking. Like how, what do you recommend is the best way to get in, invited or to, and, and I know it's not getting invited. I mean, you, you have to actively pitch yourself um, mm-hmm. to, to speak at events. Do, do, what do you know, uh, like what would you recommend to that person? So I would recommend that that person have a thing. Yeah. Like, what are you known for? Um, what is it that you can deliver on that stage that's going to separate you from the hundred other people that want to speak on that stage? Because um, it wasn't until I had, like, so I went through this time period where I had really settled into EO Fire. Like, I felt really comfortable in my position and, and what I was doing to serve the company and serve our audience and, and all of that type of stuff. But then it kind of flatlined. And I was like, I just kind of do a lot of different things. I mean, I, I kind of, and and I'm cool with that. Like, I loved what I was doing. It's not that I hit a point where I didn't like what I was doing anymore. It was just kind of like, I feel like I'm all over the place. I have a hard time explaining to people what it is that I do in the business. Mm. And I was like, I want to like, I want to know what that is because I think, you know, having an expertise and, and being really great at something is important. It was important to me. And so that's when I kind of started like really digging deep into what it is that I'm best at and how it is that I best serve the company, even yeah. though I do a lot of different things, like what's my core role. And that was systems. I'm like really into automation, making things work better, making things work for you instead of you working for them. And so, so once that became my thing, I was able to tell people that that's what I could talk about. And until, you know, if I, if I went to somebody and and was seeking out a stage and said, you know, well, I just work behind the scenes uh, for, you know, a a multimillion dollar podcast, they'd be like, okay, but what do you do? And I'd say, well, I create email campaigns and I do some of our marketing and I'm, I'm a writer and I have my own podcast and I manage our communities and I manage our virtual team. They'd be like, okay, but like, what are you going to deliver on my stage? You know, it was really hard for me to figure out what that was until I started owning systems as my thing. And when I could go and say, I can teach people how to create systems in their business that will create freedom in their lives that's when I started getting stages. So that would be my number one piece of advice is you have to know what you're going to bring to that stage before you're ever going to be able to get on it. I think a lot of people, like they make the mistake of of staying too broad and like, well, I'm just going to be general motivation and I'm just going to sell my story and I'm going to, you know, you too can be a winner and then you won't be living in a van down by the river, you know, but <laughs> it's, I, I love that, that you picked that. And so, so you and I were on a, on a podcast cruise together and that's where I saw your presentation. You had done research into a very specific thing, a lot of research and a lot of practice into a very specific thing that I didn't really have time to study and learn. And so the fact that now you're kind of coming and presenting this expertise on a niche was really valuable for me. Like, I, we can't, like, I can't, you can't possibly know everything about everything. It's impossible. So that's, mm-hmm. that's so I think that kind of the idea here is that we rely on experts who uh, totally nerd out on, on certain things, right? And so, yeah. like, for me, like, I nerd out on, like, publicity and, you know, that that sort of thing. Uh, and And it's amazing that, I'd say one thing, and this was interesting, I noticed this, 
Um, so my bo- my wife and I both studied family science in in school, and she went on to become a family therapist. And you know, there's couples communication stuff that that I just assume that everybody knows, and mm-hmm. it's amazing. It's like when you nerd out on something, it it doesn't take much for you to be in a position where you now know more than like 99% of the population. And thus, you are kind of an expert now. Right, right. I think that people don't realize that. That like reading a book on a on a subject many times, oftentimes, puts you way ahead of everyone else who hasn't read that book. Yeah. So I guess it's kind of like, so you pick something and you like it, like, I really love that. And like, you just, you decide this is the one very niche thing, like, uh, that, that I'm just going to focus on. And, but I don't think it's enough. Uh, here's, here's kind of my thesis for um, what I'm working on is that, yes, I mean, it's a given, like, you have to be a subject matter expert in a very specific thing that I think is valuable to other people. But I don't think it's enough just to like become a, you know, an armchair expert in something. I think Mm -hmm. now then the next step is to go out, give, bring value. And then I think a big part of this then is, is actively being your own brand ambassador. What, what do you do to kind of promote your thing? The podcast is certainly a big part of that. Um, Being like you said, actually going out there and giving that value to people. Sure, you can be an expert in anything and you can, you know, sit in your house or go on walks or runs or whatever and think about it. But until you put it out there, what what does it really matter except in in your own world, in your own bubble? Um, It's not until you start putting it out there that you actually start making that impact. And a lot of people are too scared to do that because they think that they're not enough of an expert yet or somebody else knows more than them. So why, or somebody else is already talking about that. So why should they talk about it? And, you know, starting to share what I was learning and then, you know, back to the beginning of our conversation, getting that in-person feedback about it and, and sometimes not even in person, you know, someone will tune into the podcast and then send me an email and say, Oh my gosh, I like you talked about Scrum today and I never knew about Scrum and that's like the most amazing thing in the world and <laughs> you know for uh, for a lot of time I was like, well S- Scrum is just like such a no-brainer. Of course everybody does this in their business, but then I find out like 99% of people don't do this. No. I don't even <laughs> look I it, I don't I'm going to be honest, I don't even know. Like I've heard it, I've seen it. I don't know what it is. <laughs> what is it? Is it so uh, no, it's not an acronym. Um, it actually comes from, it's a rugby term for, uh, and, and they, they use it in engineering a lot too. Um, it's essentially like a, a hyper-focused um, project timeline where everyone's all hands on deck on one thing oh, until it gets yeah, finished. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's just, it's, I think it's really helpful for entrepreneurs because we're easily distracted Mm -hmm. and we have a lot of ideas. And so we get like a great idea and we know it's going to be amazing for our business, but then we don't sit down and do it, Mm -hmm. which is just like crazy, right? Why don't we just sit down and do it? Um, Scrum's been really helpful for me in that regard, because if, if I have five different ideas on my board, Scrum's going to force me to choose one of them and work on it until it's finished. 
So, so I get it. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I am a scrum advocate. <laughs> I'm, 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 a, I'm a scrummy person. <laughs> it's kind of a funny word, huh? I know. I know. I know. <laughs> okay. So you, so you mentioned teams. So that's another thing that I really wanted to talk to you about is like how, because you're a systems person. So obviously, and, I, and this is another thing. So here's my belief is that there's a lot of fear of investing in teams, because I think when you are, let's say you're a baby, you know, you're just like a baby publisher and you're like, ooh, you know, one day I'd like to speak or I'd like to have a big audience. Um, and, but I just don't have enough time to do everything that I'd like to do. And so I, I think the obvious answer would be, well, then you need help. But then I think the, the objection is, well, I can't afford help. Uh, or that's it's scary for me to make that investment. Like, how do you would how would you recommend like someone overcome that 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 kind of that uh, that 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 kind of like that back and forth? Like, because I, I I believe and and I'd love your perspective. Like, so you're, but now um, oh, I'm getting lost in my words. But <laughs> uh, you know what I'm saying? Basically, yeah. It's like how do you how do you break out of out of that trap? Yeah. Well, so there are two sides to that, as you noted. There's the side of you that wants to grow, and you have a lot of things on your plate, so you need help. But the flip side of that is you don't have the money to invest to hire somebody. So there are two choices, just like there are two sides of that situation. Number one, you can either take things off your plate so that you don't have too much to do. You can focus on one thing, use something like Scrum to actually accomplish one thing instead of flailing around like totally overwhelmed, not making any progress at all. Or you can figure out how you're going to maybe barter services. Like you're really good at a lot of things and, and maybe there's somebody else who's really good at a lot of things and maybe you guys can help each other out, you know, scratch each other's back. It's time investment versus a money investment. A lot of the times, you know, we talk about investing in yourself. I, I think that monetary investments are important, but I also think that any type of investment is important. A time investment on your behalf or, you know, a learning investment. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, it can start with a contractor. It could start with somebody who works for you five hours a week. It can start super small. It's, it's, it doesn't have to be this all or nothing type of thing. You don't have to hire somebody for 40 hours a week and know exactly what their role is going to be and mm. be able to delegate everything to them right away when they start and have all these systems in place and everything's going to work out perfect. Like that doesn't happen. So it, like if you have, you know, five huge projects on your plate and you're overwhelmed and you know you need help to grow, but you can't afford help, then take four of those projects off your plate so you only have one. Yeah. And one project is totally manageable by yourself. And if you're able to finish that one project and that helps you build a bigger foundation for your business, guess what? You're going to monetize faster. And once you can start monetizing, then you can start making that monetary investment to hire somebody to help you with the other four projects that you weren't able to do on your own. Do, do you believe though, like if you really want to go into big influence that it, it's just, you have to have a team. Right. It's, it's, it's really, I don't know. I, I don't like, what's your perspective on, you know, really creating a large 
kind of splash in the world and Mm -hmm. doing it only by yourself and only yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have to have a team in some respect. That team might not be, again, full-time employees who, you know, are on a payroll with you. It might be contractors that you hire. Um, It might be, like, when I look at our team, what what we do with our business would not be possible without our team. That's Mm -hmm. just the business that we've built. Um, And we not only have virtual team members, but we probably have 10 contractors that, that are, like, on a retain some type of retainer. Mm. We have a designer on retainer. We have a legal person on retainer. We have a CPA on retainer. We have an accounting team. These people aren't our employees, but I consider them a part of our team. They help us run our business. If it weren't for them, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. We have a, a web guy, um, you know, all these different positions that we've hired over time. A, a lot of these people we just brought on retainer within like the last year. We've been in yeah. business for five years now. So, but if you go back to like when, when John first started, he was by himself and he launched the podcast and he built a really incredible platform and, and he did a lot solo. Um, when I joined the team and when we started building a virtual team, that's when we were able to start creating products and services. Because if you're just by yourself, you can... There are probably some scalable things that you can create by yourself. It's going to take a lot longer than if you have a team around you. But I, I, I guess bottom line, my, my point of view is that everybody's vision for what they want to build and everyone's business is going to be built differently. So I can't say like, yes, you have to have a team or no, you don't have to have a team because it depends on what you want to create. Yeah. I can definitely say that what we're doing would not be possible without a team. Yeah. There's like no doubt in my mind. Yeah, no kidding. You know, even something, you know, identifying, I think the simple things, like for example, I went on Upwork and I needed somebody. So I had a database of business cards, scanned them all in, uh, Mm -hmm. and then was using a drip thing so that I could just keep in touch with them and hopefully kind of pre-qualify them and and eventually set an appointment with these people. Well, one thing I wanted to do on top of that was to connect with them on social media and maybe just, you know, find some way to promote them or, or do something nice for them on social media as well. So I could have done that manually, um, and I really didn't have anybody that was available to do that. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, just a great example. So I literally went on Upwork, um, posted my job requirement, and within 10 minutes had 28 people apply for the job mm-hmm. <laughs> um, to, to help. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a really basic social media task, right? And mm-hmm. um, so I just I stopped it right there, picked the top one that Upwork recommended. Uh, she was uh, eight dollars an hour. Um, had great experience. Had done a lot of billable hours, and within ten minutes, I had her working on my project. So literally, I post the job. That took me like five ten minutes. Then ten minutes to get a bunch of people to apply, and then within ten minutes, she's working. Thirty minutes. I went from kind of the idea of, oh, I should probably hire someone for this to she's actually doing the work now. And now that's, you know, that's like three, four hours of something I don't have to do. And it ends up costing me $30. So was that worth it? I mean, absolutely. So that's... Well, yeah. And look at the ripple effect of that. I mean, it wasn't just that one-time task, then those three hours that she helped you out with. Now... That setup is serving you like more and more and more and more. That's an amazing example. Like $8 an hour 
And Fiverr, you can go on Fiverr and get so many amazing things on Fiverr. Like, don't go to Starbucks today. Use that money to (laughs) hire someone on Fiverr instead. Like, I totally get the investment crunch. Like, hey, I've been there. I've been in a lot of debt before. I know what it's like to not have money. You need to figure out what's most important to you. Is it more important to you to go out to lunch or is it more important to you to build your business? Mm, I love it. Did you... uh You've invested in like education stuff too, right? Yeah, absolutely. What, like, what, what were some things that you invested in that you were like, I mean, either like specifically or not specifically, you know, what were some education type things that you've invested in that have been like, wow, that I gained a lot of insight and that helped me grow in my business? Um, definitely the first time I ever hired a coach. Um, that was like really huge. And it was, was actually that scary a- for you. Doing yeah. that, making that, because coaches can be kind of expensive. Good oh, totally. Coaches. Totally. It was very scary. It was the first investment I ever made in myself, actually. It was the first dollar I ever spent when I said, okay, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Um, so it was very scary because I, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't really know what entrepreneurship was all about. So it was scary in, in a lot of different ways. And yeah, it was more money than I had ever spent on myself for, for education like that. Well, except for college, but yeah, that's totally different. Um, but it was like a group coaching thing. So that helped me on the cost a little bit. You know, there was a one-on-one option and there was a group option. I didn't have the money to do the one-on-one option. So I did the group option. So, you know, there are ways that you can find different types of investments that will, you know, work better for you. But when I spent that money, I didn't, uh, when I spent that money, I didn't have that money. I didn't pay for that in cash. I paid for it on a credit card. Um, I'm not condoning credit card debt. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it was, uh, it was a great experience because it not only put me in the room with somebody who could help me kind of change my mindset around what was about to happen, but it also put me in the room with other people who were in the same place as me. And that was very comforting because at that time I was like, wow, I just don't know anything. And, um, I'm, I'm so far behind everybody else, but then I go to this group coaching thing and, you know, we're talking about how to, how to talk about our business and, and how to build relationships with other people and seeing that there were six other people in the room who were in the same place as me, like, you know, that kind of confirmed that I wasn't alone and that I was on the right path. Do high authority, influential people, you know, do they still have coaches? Yes. Isn't that, Most isn't that of them. crazy? Because yeah. you think like, oh my gosh, they must know everything. There's no way. Well, I mean, every, but you know, Michael Jordan has a coach, you know, it's like every professional athlete has a coach, like everybody has coaches. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's, you know, there is, so I, I have a military background, John's in the military as well. And I know that there's kind of this pervasive attitude of, you know, I'm just going to pull myself up by my bootstraps and, you know, I'm just going to do it all myself. And and that's, you could, I think it's like you can do that, but it's a lot harder. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to make investments. You, it's like you either, you're going to have to invest like your blood, sweat, and tears, or you can make some financial investments into someone who already <laughs> made the investments in the blood, yeah. sweat, and tears and can help shorten the learning curve for you. For sure. I th- that's a great way of, of explaining it, like the, the two sides right there. You can either invest your time, blood, sweat, tears, frustrations, et cetera, et cetera, or you can probably skip ahead in, in many ways. And even with the example that you gave with Upwork, like 
that was a task that probably would have led to a lot of frustration. And like, that's not, that's, that's a $10 task. It's not a $1,000 task. And you should be working on $1,000 tasks as a business owner. Yeah. Kate, when you started rising in um, influence in, in, in the podcasting space and beyond, did like, what kind of things did you start noticing? Like, did you remember like anything like, whoa, like all of a sudden, like this is happening. And now that's, you know, maybe like, maybe it's like getting recognized. Like, how did that, did that feel weird? Yeah. Yeah, it did feel weird. Um, Cause I'm like, I'm a, I'm a pretty big introvert. So it was kind of like, it was kind of uncomfortable in a lot of ways to, to have like that recognition and but, you know, at the same time, that, that's been like a huge part of my growth and learning experiences. You know, I spent a, a big portion of my life not really living up to what I could have been living up to. And so it, it felt good in, in, in that regard to know that the recognition that I'm getting is because I'm putting myself out there. And, and so that was a great feeling. But I, I think like, I guess a opportunities opportunities breed opportunities so once once you have that one i mean like that one speaking engagement that i got i've gotten every single um you know speaking engagement since then because i've been able to use that one yes so kind of like a, a domino effect right yes yeah. Yeah. So it's like, um, so we do a lot of work with media and people who say, well, I want to get on the Today Show. I said, that's great. You can get on the Today Show, but it's going to, it's probably going to take us a year or two. And are you, yeah. if you're committed to it, then I'll tell you exactly how we do that. And they're mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm committed, Josh. Let's do it. And I say, great. You need to start and you need to go and find some podcast, do some podcast interviews with podcasters that have never been heard of before. Like just, you know, <laughs> brand new baby podcasters yeah. who would love to have you so you can get comfortable with that. And then you do a few of those and then maybe, we, you know, pitch, you know, maybe then you start looking at some larger podcasts. Podcasting, I think, is just such a brilliant format because there's so much what I would call media availability. So like... Um, like locally, like morning TV in Orlando, for example, like there's, there's not a lot of availability except for Fox 35 who does, they do morning news from like four in the morning till 10 in the morning. So they've got six hours they have to fill. They have a lot of inventory. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's really easy to get on Fox compared to some of the other ones. It doesn't make the other ones more exclusive. They just don't have enough to work with to, Mm -hmm. to really get you in there. Um, But it's like with podcasts, you know, podcasts are such a great way to get good at doing interviews. And then kind of once you flush that out, then you can start looking at maybe um, doing some um, interviews with some digital journalists. Then, you know, we might consider doing a radio thing, then maybe local TV and your local small market. And then we go to big city. And then, you know, because here's the thing, any national media outlet is not going to touch you until you've done major market TV. And major mm-hmm. market TV is not going to touch you unless you've done small market TV. It's like you you really have to earn your stripes. Now, so this is this is the case for speaking, it sounds like, um, in your experience. Um, it's definitely the experience for media. And, and I think this is just a very common thread, is that you can absolutely get anywhere, but you need to be patient. And mm-hmm. you need to... Um, 
you know, you just have to, you just have to, you have to earn your way to the top. And, and the big deal, honestly, the big deal is the culmination of all the little deals. I mean, that's just as valuable in my opinion. Absolutely. Well, that's the experience, right? That's the journey. And that's the whole point is like this experience that we have every single day working towards our goals or working towards what success means to us or working towards freedom in our lives or, you know, whatever journey we're on, personal, business, um, relationship-wise, family-wise, whatever it may be, there's this journey that we're on and people tend to ignore that. They just want to get to the end already. But like, what are you going to do when you're at the end? That's not the point. <laughs> mm. And and absolutely. I mean, it's all these stepping stones that we take that make up our story. Like you mentioned story earlier. I think a lot of people don't give themselves credit for having a story. And that's such an integral part of who you are and, and what you're doing and, and what you have to offer the world via inspiration or experience or expertise or whatever it might be, the value that you have to provide. A lot of that has to do with your story. People don't tell their story often enough. Do you do, do you do joint ventures with uh, like, what was your, in terms of like partnering with people, have you done what, do you remember like some of your first partnerships that you were involved with? Like with, let's say it's an influencer. You're like, whoa, they've, you know, they've got a really big audience. Like, do, do you remember like some of the earlier ones that you were involved with in any way? Yeah, for sure. A lot of them were guest posts. They were, you know, building that relationship from the ground up. And, you know, so just like stepping stones of getting on the Today Show or stepping yeah. stones of of getting on a stage, um, our, all of our partnerships started with relationships. Like the now today, five years later, we have some really big, incredible affiliate relationships that make up a a decent portion of our revenue. It's a big revenue stream for us. Um, but none of that started with just us reaching out to somebody and saying, Hey, can we promote your product or your service? It started with, Hey, my name is Kate and and (laughs) what's your name? And, you know, actually building a relationship with somebody. And and then it was like, Hey, now that, you know, uh, luckily a lot of the times, because we were really good at, you know, Gary V's jab, 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 right hook. Um, you know, I'm not asking for anything from you. I just want to get to know you and I love what you do and I respect your work and it's very inspiring. And, and eventually that would lead to, well, hey, you guys are kind of doing some cool things over there at EO Fire. Would you want to contribute a guest post and share with our audience how you did X, Y, and Z? And absolutely, we would love to do that. And, you know, then that built a relationship to where the next time we were at a conference with that person, we were actually able to go up to them and talk to them and sit down and have coffee together and and talk about the guest posts that we wrote for them and talk about what they have going on. And, that in-person connection led to them sharing with us the next time they created, you know, a, a new product or a service. And they said, hey, it kind of seems like your audience would really love to maybe know about this. Would you guys want to talk to them about it? And uh-huh. if it's a good fit for our audience and we use the product or service, then of course we we want to share it with our audience. That's People come to us for that. Mm. Um, so yeah, very much the same as everything we've been talking about. It's time and patience and doing the work and yeah do you know if like did you and john like so when it comes to like promoting other products and services so like you know it's like i don't want to muddy the waters i guess you know i just i feel like i have so much to offer in my own right like how do you decide who as an 
you know, as, as, as the, I don't want to say the gatekeeper of your audience, but, but really you're the advocate for your audience. Like, how do you decide what to introduce to them? Yeah, it's such a fine line, right? Um, Cause I totally see where you're coming from and I get really nervous about that too. But I guess it was kind of at the point where it was like, we had, we had built so much trust with our audience that they, they just genuinely wanted to know how we were doing what we do and how we do what we do <laughs> has a lot to do with what other people have created and that we've been able to leverage. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when it, when it comes to telling people about ClickFunnels, like that's a huge part of our business. We use ClickFunnels for a lot of stuff and ClickFunnels has helped us um, promote our free courses and, and build our email list and, do like amazing sales pages and opt-in pages and they make it really easy to do that. So when when somebody comes to us and asks us how we put together our funnels, you know, it's very natural and comfortable to say we do that with ClickFunnels. And if you want to check them out, they they offer a two-week free trial. And if you use this link, it's our affiliate link. Um, you don't have to. You can just Google ClickFunnels and, and go to it straight away that way. And that's totally cool, whatever they're most comfortable with. Um, but you know, I, I think it's that I like, I, I'm comfortable promoting what we use and love. If it's like totally off, like maybe our audience doesn't even need it and, and we don't really use it, then like, that's, that's where I think the waters get muddied. But if you know that your audience could benefit from something and it's a product or a service that you use, like actually a, a good example is um, recently we used to we used to have a webinar course we actually still do for our lifetime members um, called Webinar on Fire and it's yeah. where we taught the process of of how we do webinars how we create and present webinars that convert that was the tagline, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you know it got to a point where it was like we're still doing webinars and and we're still rocking webinars the way that we've been doing for the past few years but we're like, we're so in our process for that. And it works so well for us that we're not really at the point right now where we're like trying out new software and, and, and doing all these, like, we're really not staying, I guess, quote unquote, up to date with webinars in terms of like, let me try out this new software. Let me try out this new way of like doing all these things. And so it got to a point where, where we were like, you know what, maybe, maybe we should, not promote our webinar course anymore and instead promote a webinar course where we know and trust the person who's created it and we know that they are staying up to date with all of those things and they could provide better resources to the people who are investing in that than we could. And so we phased out our own webinar course. Again, anyone who's purchased it still has lifetime access to it. We still have all the content there. But now we created a free webinar course that leads to Amy Porterfield's webinars that convert because she's amazing with webinars and she's created an incredible course that is super in-depth and is is always up to date and she's always looking at new software and trying new things. So it was kind of like at that point, that was such a no-brainer for that to become an affiliate relationship for us because we know Amy, we like Amy, we trust Amy, we know whatever she creates is amazing. We know our audience wants to learn how to do webinars. And that's the the best course to lead them on. Mm. 
So are are you still are there still circles that that you're wanting to get into that you're like man it sure would be great to work with them. <laughs> Is there anybody yeah. that's on your radar that you're like let's cultivate cultivate relationship with them because we love what they're doing and, <laughs> and it seems like it would be great. You mean like affiliate wise? Yeah, or just or, yeah, just or just like um you know, yeah, like affiliate wise, you know, just any kind of partnership, any kind of like, you know, collaborating of information and teaching, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah, you know, I guess the I guess at the baseline of that question, this is, you know, not not really like high level thinking or anything just off the top of my head is I often think like, there are certain things that I use, like Asana, like Skype, um, like text expander, all these tools that I use every single day in my business, and that I talk about all the time. Um, We don't have affiliate relationships with any of those people. Um, It would be kind of cool if we did. But you know, I, uh, honestly, I I wouldn't promote it or talk about it any different, because that's genuinely what I use and what I love. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna require an affiliate relationship to be able to share my favorite tools and resources. But um, yeah, I mean, there are so many people that that we look up to. But again, it's a, it's a matter of, of finding those affiliate relationships when they make the most sense for your audience and not necessarily you. I'd just rather have a friendship with that person at that point, I guess. You know, I know speaking, um, you know, on behalf of like PR people who work for brands, uh, I know they love it when influencers reach out to them and say, Hey, just want to let you know that I talked about you on my podcast or like, like that's like it's so hard for them to discover all that stuff otherwise and yeah. so you know what what one thing that i commonly do for savings angel is like when i see a product that i like in the grocery store um i'll you know and i like it enough that i'll tweet about it i always reach out to their communications people and just say hey i just want to let you know i really love your product you know let me know if you ever want to do anything because I already love your product. So mm-hmm. <laughs> and, super smart. Yeah. And that's, and so you start with their PR people and PR people are generally really friendly. Like that they can connect you with, um, you know, the marketing people, the marketing side, whatever it is. But I think it's, it's like, if you just honor the relationship first and then mm-hmm. you kind of see where it leads to, it may turn into a, you know, a paid influencer campaign. It may turn into nothing, you know, it may turn yeah. into then just saying, well, that was really cool of you. Thank you. We we love Savings Angel. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for saying that. Maybe may just nothing but a retweet. Um, but um, I think you know, letting people know how much you appreciate them publicly. I mean, people love appreciation, and and I think that can that can turn into good stuff. Yeah, I like that. It's super smart. Cool. All right, Kate. Thank you so much. I know you got a jet. You're. I hear. As a matter of fact, I just heard. Um, did you come in on a helicopter? It sounds like a helicopter. How'd you do a hella? How did you get a helicopter? My ride is giving me a, a, a the the eye. Like, why aren't you up here in this helicopter right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'll let you go. Thank you so much. That's so cool. Okay, so I, I, you're the first person that most people just take a little prop plane um, to this thing. But yeah, you you fly in style with the chopper. That's cool. All right, I'll let you go. Thanks so much. Okay, guys, that's all I got this time around. I'm, I'm going to be sending more out to you guys on the internet as I can get it, as, I, as Josh does more interviews. So be sure to subscribe to this podcast and, and don't tell Josh what I'm doing. If you know Josh, don't tell Josh. Don't rat me out, okay? Um, 
But uh, but in the meanwhile, if you want to spy on Josh too, he's got a website upmyinfluence.com, and and you can you can spy on him there too because because he's posting these things for real. You you guys are gonna like weeks before him. So so again, don't tell Josh. Pot hacker out.